Hello, and welcome to Untitled Talkies Podcast, episode 17. I'm Caitlin, and I'm here with Kat, Kathy, and Mallory. Today we'll be discussing episodes 33 and 34 of Goodwill. In episode 33, The Lonely Battlefield, Contra plays the piano. What can't he do? He's playing a sad song while thinking of his missing boyfriend. Our namesake, the Toggies, is fighting dudes in space. Everyone is like, whoa, at Toggies' sick moves against the Ramafeller mobile dolls. Surprise! Zex has been collaborating with an invisible spaceship run by Howard, Duo's friend, an old man you might remember if you've been paying attention to the old men. The old men of Ramafeller, Dermail and Subarov, meanwhile, are shocked that pacifism still exists even though Oz has cool mobile dolls. Back in the boarding school subplot, Relina, Relina bothers Hero while he's trying to read a book, and Dorothy invites Relina to a meeting with the Ramafeller people to chit-chat about peace. Definitely not a trap. Relina asks Hero not to leave without telling her, and Hero immediately fucks off to fight mobile dolls in Luxembourg, where Oz is dropping a forest to take out the remaining Trey's faction. Dermail confronts Relina with Zex's return to battle as a sign of Saint Kingdom hypocrisy. Without missing a beat, Relina goes full Mariah Carey, I don't know her, dot gif, and disowns Zex. Zex destroys a lot of mobile dolls headed to Luxembourg, and Hero prepares to get the others. But then, a group of mobile dolls attacks Relina and Pagan on the road home. Noin and Katra come to their rescue. Hero fights mobile dolls in his cool fancy school necktie, and a voice from the darkness tells him not to die. It's God! I mean, Trace. In episode 34, and its name is Epion, Trace faction gets its shit together to help Hero. A dying soldier tells Hero to look after Trace, which leads Hero to exploring Trace's secret bunker. They have an intense philosophical conversation at gunpoint. Hero is mildly suicidal, and Trace takes out a book to help him through the tough times. Wow, call back to Hero reading from last episode. Actually, the book holds a card key to Trace's double secret bunker where he keeps his new mobile suit. Meanwhile, in space, Oz is trying to destroy Wing Zero. Best idea they've had in a while. But then Zex and Howard come in because they want Wing Zero. Zex sacrifices our beloved Toggies to get Wing Zero. R.I.P. Toggies. Insert funeral music here. Back in Luxembourg, Trace introduces Hero to his new friend. Its name is Epion. Title of episode. Trace tells Hero that Epion can clear up his philosophical confusion. He helpfully disables the self-destruct so Hero won't kill himself. Hero rejoins the battle in Epion, which is sexy, and has a whip in something like a transforming, flying cat mode. It's good at destroying things, but of course the godlike system Trace talked about is the same as the Zero system. Hero goes full crazy town murderino. We close with an enigmatic scene of Hero passing out at Trace's feet. Okay, there is a lot of conversation... Um, which we will get to. I wanted to start out saying, Toggies is gone, you guys. I know. I we know. need to end the podcast. That's it. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> We're I mean, it up. it's sad because we named this podcast Untitled Toggies Podcast as a joke because Toggies has the word geese in it. <laughs> That's it. But That's actually, the whole joke. <laughs> but actually, now that we have been calling it this this whole time i feel like a really deep bond with the tall geese i know and i do love it because it's like a predecessor prototype it's clearly janky right but zax really loves it and i feel like that just speaks volumes to me it kills like half the people who use it or something like zax's soldiers sacrificed himself using it and all that all this shit 
It's and old it's, and I it's feel janky. old. Yeah, it's and it's it's not as cool as the Gundams and Zex is willing to just throw it aside to get the Wing Zero, a system which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like Wing Zero looks cool, but it objectively is the worst. But it's in the two episode, you know, one two punch of introducing the new hotness, Epion. I love the Epion got a little magical girl transformation sequence, or at least the end of it, where you're showing off your new outfit. Um, when he went out to fight in the Epion, you got to yes. show off the little whip, got backlit. Is very yes. Epion does so many things that I don't really understand it. Like, what did I just call it? A transforming flying cat. Um, it's sort of like Griffin-like. It's got a whip. Maybe it's a scorpion. I mean, I thought it looked like a weird dragon thing. Like its whip was a tail. It doesn't really make sense to me, but I think it looks cool flying around. Which I think is the point of gun, like a Gundam, right? Did Trace design it himself? That might be a question we can wonder about. That I was wondering, like, does he have a cadre of engineers to bully around in his um, exile mansion? Not really yes. sure what's going on. Oh, yeah. Maybe, like, every Trey's faction guy got to contribute one concept. <laughs> <laughs> An exquisite corpse of a Gundam. Is Epion a Gundam proper? Its title is OZ... Dash 13 MS Gundam Epion. Oh, so it's a Gundam. It's an official Gundam. I'm guessing that means it's made out of Gundanium. So, but where did Trey's get all the <laughs> yes, Gundanium no, for this? Like, question. in his ex- exile mansion. Right, Do you was- think Rummefeller is just letting him, like, Amazon Prime packages <laughs> of Gundanium every week? <laughs> like, that's just kind of what he's I'm picturing. Def- because it was a big deal with Zex, like, part of the scheme of Zex getting all that fucking Gundanium. He's definitely in, like, the most, like, fancy white-collar prisons. (laughs) He can basically get get whatever he wants. Kathy hates Epion. I hate Epion. Do we want to start a fight? Is no. it is it time for our is it time for our episodely debate? Kathy has a fight. No, because um, the reason why I hate Epion has not yet been made canon in in, in these episodes, so I cannot okay. say. But I will just put it out there: I am an Epion hater. Well, it seems like yet another monument to Trace's hubris. Yeah. So, <laughs> in that sense, I don't love it. Well, I don't I don't like it either. The whole thing is stupid. Hero getting into this into this Gundam that Trace just promises him will provide him like a, a clear philosophical path. Yeah, I not to skip ahead or anything, but I do love that Trace is just like I have a guide to help you learn how to live your life. Surprise! It's a killer robot, and then <laughs> Hero is just like, yeah, I'm gonna get in that robot. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> what have you learned? Nothing. Dumb. Yeah, Hero Hero piloted. The other Zero system Gundam. I mean, he thinks that's. Like, what did you expect, man? You got into a Gundam made by Trey's. Well, this gets into some of my, like. uh, So, obviously, there's a lot of chit chat, a lot of uh, gab, gabbing in this episode. (laughs) Um, By which I mean, Trey's makes, like, long, long ass speeches to Hero while Hero's like, uh, I don't believe in God. But I was thinking about, like, Trace's whole thing is that he keeps, he says to Hero, uh, this will provide you clarity, uh, you don't really, you don't really know who your enemies are, but this will, this will show you, and that was the whole deal with the, 
the Zero system in general is that it clarifies who the enemies are. Um, and I, I think, like, just thinking about that, I, I think a lot of the what the show is trying to say is that if you are going into battle with too much clarity about your enemies, about what you have to do, um, it, it blinds you to, like, the real motivations behind what's going on. It blinds you to the humanity of your enemies. Because um, while Hero is fighting and while he's realizing it's the same as the Zero system, he's looking at the people that he's fighting and he's thinking, oh, but this is just, I don't have to fight him. But the system wants him to fight him, fight those, those guys. Right, he initially goes like, I don't, I don't want to fight them because they've just been ordered to fight. And then right. um, the Trace faction inexplicably sort of attacks him, um, which I Maybe. guess is like a clever writing um, like cheat, so you don't have to feel bad about them when Hero um, loses sight and thinks of them all as being the same and kills them, even though he's supposedly more on the Trace faction side. Yeah, but Hero is always like... We, it's already been established that Hero believes his enemy is whoever is in front of him trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. So it sort of makes sense that when he's in a Zero System Gundam, if someone, anyone shoots at him, he's automatically going to murk them because the Zero System is going to kind of take that to its ultimate extreme, um, even though he knows rationally that these soldiers are fighting on his side or on his behalf. Or that they're just following orders right. and they don't necessarily deserve to die. Uh, yeah, like among all the gibberish that Trey says in this episode, right, the only line that made a lot of sense to me was, if anyone who is against you is your enemy, then your fight will never stop. Because basically yeah. what he's saying is that it cannot be that you just think of peace as an outcome when fighting ends, right? It, it can't just be that peace is the absence of fighting, there must be something more to what you're trying to achieve than no more fighting. That, that, that has to be something else. And so it can't just be you have these two opposites, person who attacked me, enemy. You have to like be thinking above that. And I guess in some way this feeds into this end line he delivers to Hiro where he's like, you mustn't be a we- winner. You know, Epion isn't a weapon. I hope you return a loser. And I was like, I don't even know what this means, Trace. But I think what you're saying is like, Hiro, you don't actually know what it is to be like a winner and a loser. Like, this isn't about winning and losing. This is about having something to fight for. I was really curious when Trey is is talking about how he has no future and Epion showed him that he had no future. And does that mean that he doesn't see any enemies for himself or he's consumed by enemies? Like, I was kind of wondering, like, what exactly Epion showed him when we're when we're talking about this clarity of folk and focus on who you're actually fighting against or what you're fighting for. Yeah, I do want to know what Epion showed Trey's. My my feeling is that that line is Trey's stating that in order to bring about the world that he wants to bring about, he will die. Yeah. Um, he's just not part of the new world that he wants to bring about. That's what I also took it to mean, that when he says that he didn't see a future, he really means... I am foreseeing death. I mean, he has a line in here like, my battle is over, but I haven't found a reason to fight. So I guess maybe he also really hasn't ironed out exactly how he fits into the whole world. But 
again, I, I, I really struggled to make heads or tails out of a lot of what Trace is saying in this episode. Um, maybe if I was Hiro and Trace started just blabbing at me, I too would get into a killer robot just to end his conversation. <laughs> because so much of this episode just like made my head hurt. I don't know if I that mean, was just me. Do we want to talk about the potential of 13 times oh God. one? <laughs> yeah. I, um, like, this I think is so the- romantic, right? He's just talking about how his destiny is intertwined and like meeting Hero is the best thing that's ever happened to him in his life. He couldn't die without meeting specifically Hero. He says, my greatest happiness in life was talking with you. And now I understand my own death must coincide with yours. Now that we've met each other, let's meet God. Like, that's a, that's, that is a pretty strong come on. Let's, let's be real. He programmed... Yes. Hero's handprint yes. into his exile castle. Yes. He's Years he's very like this. like before this. Like he's they, very like even met? come no. come and kill me, hero. He's he's like the he's like grown up man Relina. Yes, that's actually come, exactly come and what kill was, me. That's actually exactly what I was going to say. He is grown up man Relina. Like this is the first season's Relina, only in a grown man's body, and like it's <laughs> it's crazed right like it's it's the equivalent of like you know in manga sometimes with like a horror manga where you enter a room and it's covered in pictures of you like that's that's yes (laughs) yes and then this like man who's been trying to kill you this whole time is like i welcome you with my heart dear messenger of peace like (laughs) love that for them romantic i was thinking i i made a little shout out to this in the uh summary but there's a scene there's the scene in the in episode 33, where Hero is just sitting reading a book and Relina comes over and talks to him for like a whole half hour. <laughs> she makes this whole speech about him and he's just like sitting there reading his book. Trace basically does the exact same thing. <laughs> Everybody just likes to make speeches at Hero. I would, I'd grab that Gundam and fuck off too. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd be like, goodbye. Trace he has just such made- a an internal idea of who Hero is, too. And that's so weird. Like, he's, like, built up this mental image of Hero just like Relina has. Well, he should get in line because everybody in this series does. I'm starting to feel really yeah. bad for Hero. Yeah. yeah. But he's like, yeah, I never sh- thought you'd be feeling tired of battle. But Hero surely, also really has a lot surely, of expectations of Trey's, too. Doesn't Zex get priority over Trey's? I feel like the line was Relina... <laughs> maybe do maybe duo, and then Zex, and then Trey's. And Troa, like, Trace... Troa has seniority over all of them. He's dead and like floating somewhere. Oh, that's true. Should he jump the line? <laughs> um, we also have one line that we wanted to talk about, which is that Trey's mentions God, and Hero's like, I don't believe in God. So, is there religion in Gundam Wing universe? <laughs> Yeah, I think this I was, is the first time that anyone has mentioned God. I was thinking about this because of the trope, the old trope in fanfic I was discussing with people of Katra saying, oh, Allah, instead of oh, God in fanfic. Oh, when yeah. Katra, Katra has literally never mentioned religion or God, as far as I can recall. Like, there's no suggestion that him being Middle Eastern means that he's also a Muslim. Yeah. It, and it's just like I don't I don't know if this this exists in Gundam Wing universe outside of Trey's being like 
what is what does he say? Let's put ourselves in God's hands. And I think then Hero says, yeah, I don't believe in God. And I was surprised that he said, don't believe in God. I don't believe in God is a response because the first, like, Trace's sentence feels more like a figure of speech. So for Hero to push back with, like, a, a real literal, like, I don't believe in God means that maybe there is a God to not believe in in the Gunwing universe, in the sense, like, there is a religion. And I mean, Duo has yeah. his yes, whole we Catholic also know, background. Right. We also know about the... Uh... Father Max- Maxwell's church being destroyed. Like well, didn't they always used to say, oh, gods? Yeah, so that was what I was thinking, right? Because in fic, we had this issue yeah. where a lot of characters was saying, were saying, oh, gods, with a plural, implying some sort of, like, multiplicities of gods. Wasn't our theory for this just that a lot of fic writers in the late 90s were, were like, were Wiccan yeah, and that they were, they were trying to brainwash us? Yeah, but I think they gave. I think sometimes when Wu Fei was saying it, there was some kind of like implication there. If you have like in the similar way, not that like Katra would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I, well, Nataku is a mythological reference. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's a reference to a god. So. Yeah, but speaking as a Chinese but, person, if I was to yeah. say something that's like close to oh god, what I would say is something closer to like heavens, like tianga, like mm, that yeah, like, right. that really means just like heaven. So coming to this, I bring a lot of like clearly like Christian overtones to it. So like when Trey says God, I'm thinking like Christian God, but I am kind of curious what they think, what the writers intended for that to be in the Gundam universe. Because that's I think clearly Trey- my interpretation. I think Trace is like Western humanism, uh, not necessarily a religious form of God, but that, uh, like the concept of like a, a, a deity of some sort. Mm-hmm. Like he's, so, he's probably just right. using God, like so Kat he's a says. deist, but not necessarily yeah. like yeah. a Christian. Like he probably means it sort of metaphorically, but also I'm sure that if pressed, he'd be like, yes, I believe in God and I am God. And I am God. <laughs> you know? Because Trace like, is Hannibal. Trace yeah. is Hannibal. Yeah. Um, but, well, so that was sort of interesting for him to say, let's put it in God's hands when he's previously put himself in the place of God right. in the Gundam Wing universe, right? Yeah, and saying let's meet God implies that he can die and he can meet a higher being than him, which I guess mm. is indicative of like a shift in the way that Trey's views himself. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense since he's really talking about how there's no place for him now that he has no power. When Hero was like, you once had the power to change history, you could just do what you did then. Like, why don't, why don't you? Trace Mm -hmm. is like, well, this robot told me I had no future. I biffed it, guys. I I really liked how Trace tells Hero at the end, like, I don't want you to die until you've killed me. I'm disarming the self-detonation device in Epion because he knows Hero. And that, yeah, that's, that's probably why Hero took the mobile suit was because he wanted to self-destruct. Like, Hero was probably like, all right, it's time. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn it, you saw right through me. <laughs> I do want to say, in my experience, Trey's Hero, so 13 times 1 or 1 times 13, was not a very popular ship. I fact, I can't recall any instance of it happening outside of like maybe a crack reference here or there, but was curious of other people's opinions. Well, so I, that's also my experience. And also we, we haven't discussed this yet, but a lot of people in 
Western fandom really hated trays. And Kathy sent us this ridiculous website where Trey's is <laughs> n- codenamed Door, and it's all about how much oh my they God, hate I remember Door. This. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh God. You just yeah, opened up like seven rooms in my brain. Like I hated Trey's too as a child. Now, now I'm like, oh, he's big. Hero's small. I'd read that. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I definitely saw it, but only in like threesomes, like thirteen six one. Mm-hmm. But it's more off, like definitely way more often. Thirteen six five in some kind of um, yeah yes. situation, yeah. and I guess my my theory is that a lot of people in Western fandom did not make it all the way through the show to this episode because of possible access reasons or whatever, and how we talked That's about true. in earlier episodes about how Fanon sort of solidified really around the very beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so you watch the first three, that's no three episodes. You watch the first three episodes, and then you stick with those pairings for the rest of your life. Um, though also, yeah. I will say this, which is that the other night I was looking for... I wanted to see if anybody had written something like a 2-5 manifesto. Like, you know how people used to write, like, ship manifestos? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I found a couple a couple of essays, but one of them suggested that... Like, it was like a pro-Wufe essay, and at the bottom there was a thing about its ships. Um, and it said that... 2-5 is not that popular compared to 1-5 and 3-5, which I've literally never 3-5? Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, that's really weird. Is that a typo? Maybe it's a typo for 13-5. It, but it had a separate section for 13-5. Um, and I, I've not seen that much 3-5. Uh, and this this person claiming that 2-5 was not a popular Wufei pairing is was kind of shocking to me. Because I thought it was like second after thirteen five, so sometimes our perceptions yeah, yeah. of fandom are just totally wrong. Caitlin, at one point we were we were talking about the sort of implications of one three specifically, and you said something like, you know, when we're young, we tend to ship the pairs that we see will last forever. Um, mm. Like we we tend to want to see pairings that we can imagine will be like the everlasting love, like three four or one two, where these these characters sort of fit like puzzle pieces. And now that we're older, we're more, I guess, more able to appreciate the more casual pairings or casual ships. A disastrous fling. Yeah, the the unwise hookup. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's also so clear from. Trace's speech in this episode that he's just like holding up that death flag. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that was a, a big barrier to shipping him for me as a child because it was like clear that he's like he's going to he's going to kick the die. Well, he's going to kick the bucket like this is like yeah. I have I have final stage of space tuberculosis moment. Trace would be so hot if he had space tuberculosis. <laughs> That would really give his character a little something-something. Yeah, just a little extra right? tragedy to go with the hubris. And then he and Katra meet in the space tuberculosis uh, san- sanitarium. Amazing segue. And spe- speaking, speaking, speaking of, of people who are very small, Katra. I really like Katra in these episodes, but I especially like his his newfound friendship with Noin. Yeah. Like, they get a good little moment at the beginning where Catch is playing his sad music. His sad morning song for Troa. Yeah. And this is, like, these episodes have their second team-up in mobile suits. Oh, yeah, they do fight with each other. Yeah. It's like Team Goggles, because 
Yeah, yeah they have the goggles. They're so cute. It's it's truly a lesbian gay man solidarity. Yes. 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 I like Absolutely. ship it. I like ship it, but I also definitely like speaking of disastrous hookups, like this feels like a disastrous <laughs> hookup relationship. Like which is like we're oh clearly God. both mourning. Like I think Noin is still in the craterous aftermath of her like huge honking crush on Zex, which sadly yeah. she never gets over. But this is very much like I'm mourning the fact that I'm separated from Zex. Katra, of course, is like you know, Hiro's like, you have to, like, stay around to make sure that Troa gets rescued. And, like, so there's, there's a lot of grief and, like, you know, trying to hold on. And this is definitely, like, if I was to make them bang, that would be what would be going on here. Yes, yeah. Noin takes Katra's virginity, and it's very awkward, and they're very <laughs> sad the whole time. That's what I want. That's what I want from my fan fiction that oh I read God. for fun. <laughs> and then at, for forevermore, they can never look at each other in the eye. Um, I love to come then, home from a long day of work <laughs> at the office and read a relaxing fanfic where people who don't like each other have awkward sex. <laughs> which is really, which is really funny oh, because I'm gay. Oh, I'm, because like I'm like reacting, I'm like reacting so strongly to this, but I'm also a huge Katra. Dorothy shipper and so like it has like oh, the yeah. exact same feeling which is like a very lesbian coded character <laughs> that I'm shipping with a very gay coded character who like I clearly don't think that they're supposed to get together but I'd be really into it for the Saint Kingdom. The Saint Kingdom just make I feel like the Saint Kingdom is very like heterosexual in a very specific way. Which is oh, like it's it just like color coded uniforms? Yeah. Oh yeah 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 all the girls <laughs> wear their pink dresses all the men have the their ascots, their, like, whatever those things yeah. are. Those and it just makes me want, like, compulsory heterosexuality, but not in the same way the early episodes did. Just, like, sad, forced heterosexuality. Well, I guess everybody else love. is gone. I was reading some fanfic. I was reading some bad fanfic. And it made me really like Hero Relina. <laughs> and it made me think... Hero and Relina could probably just get together in canon, and I wouldn't mind that. And then I realized that I think that because I'm a duo Wufei shipper, no, deep down, I, I agree. You know, one of my I only... think Hero and Relina is good. Yeah, like I actually think that episodes 33 and 34 are some of the strongest Hero Relina scenes. Like, you know, in, in the beginning of episode 34, I think he's like afraid that he's gonna die, and he and he sees Relina's image flash over his mind. And I also think that moment, you know, we were talking about the moment where he sits down and he's reading that book. And when Relina first comes down and sits next to him, he says her name in this like really tender way. Um, and then he immediately snaps into this kind of like bitey, snappy, well, it's your country. You can do whatever you want. And I was I thinking about it. that a, a lot. And I think, you know, I feel like he has a lot of like guilt and discomfort in the Saint Kingdom where he clearly wants to be with her and he clearly wants to like live this really peaceful idyllic life but feels like he doesn't belong there. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah, that scene he, really he, demonstrates that. I really loved that moment where he's like, oh, it's your country because he's being <laughs> such a teenage boy about it. Like this is sort of how a emo teenage boy would react to his crush sitting next yeah. to him like hey what are you uh, doing it's your <laughs> and instead of instead of well it's a free country he says well it's, it's your, your country, country. 
Um, but then as Rolina is getting into Dorothy's limo, there's this moment where she turns around and looks back at the Institute for Peace or whatever, and Hiro and Katra are sort of lurking above her yes yes. Um, oh yeah and the way that it was drawn and the way that it was positioned the way that she looks over her shoulder with like the breeze and stuff it felt really shoujo manga to me like Mm. she's looking back at her true love uh, as she goes to something that could be a trap right um and i just really really liked it (laughs) i liked that he was sort of watching over her and concerned i guess yeah Yeah. so he does immediately not stay there, which is the only thing she asked him to do. He immediately goes to Luxembourg to fight. Robots. He is still a boy. Yeah, he, yeah, just he has gave to her do that it. meaningful nod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and and then it turns Katra out that was like, and it turns out that men are liars. <laughs> <laughs> and Katra is just like. Are you, are you serious? You just told her you weren't going to leave. <laughs> I love Katra. He's, he's like so horrified. And also, you know, just like doesn't bat an eye. He's like, yeah, you got to stay yeah, I here. Gotta go. I got to go. <laughs> you got to stay here because maybe Tro will come back, but I got to go. Bye. Which is so emotionally yeah. manipulative. He's so awful. I hate him. Katra sleeps with Hero's, Hero's saying... with his, ex, his dead boyfriend's ex. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I also love Relina in these episodes. We haven't really talked about her too much. Um, cause all I have to say is I love her. I'm, I'm glad she was like, fuck sex. I don't know that guy. <laughs> I, I do. I do love that. And I also like, despite the fact that Zex and Relina have absolutely no real like overlap as siblings that they're aware of, I do kind of like this quiet unspoken connection where mm-hmm. like Zex had set up this whole like Zex versus Miliardo Peacecraft thing, kind of like just in case anybody wanted to take advantage of it, right? And then Relina right, kind yeah. of, like, instantly was like, oh, I get what he's putting down, right? Like, yeah. he's Zex Marquis. My brother is Miliardo Peacecraft. These are two separate people. Like, what did he say he was? Well, can't be my brother. His name doesn't match. <laughs> yeah, just not just not the same guy. And I, I know this is implied, but, like, how great really is that moment where Relina goes in to that room full of old men and she's just this, like, young, beautiful, vibrant girl in her, in her like, full St. Kingdom regalia. Like, she's just is so great. Like, she has, she has poise. She's clearly grown up so much from the first time we've seen her. It's a great scene. Yeah. I, and I love that her St. Kingdom regalia is, it acts as her mobile suit in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, she puts it on to challenge mm-hmm. these men and their ideas of how life and humans interact with each other. I like the sort of symbolism of that. Kathy, do you want to do you want to read her note out loud? Yeah. So <laughs> I took this screen cap, which is I think it, it was Dorothy or something lays out this invitation that they give to Relina, and I was really curious because I wanted to know. You know, this comes up a lot in sci-fi. Like, what is the common language? What are we speaking when we're talking to everybody? I think it looks like German, but really the only two words you can read are Relina Peacecraft, and the rest is something like. Pust on the like it's it's like not there there is no other discernible letters. So if anybody can figure out anything of what's going on in this letter, I'd love to hear it because that's what I got. We were talking about how Relina really grew, and I think her conversation with Noin and Catra at the end, where she talks about how she's always the one getting saved, was I don't know. Like I guess it's like less romantic for her now, you know. <laughs> Like, a sort of shifted perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, Hiro saving her before is like, wow, 
I'm special. And now it's just like, what the fuck? Um, this yeah. is really messing with my pacifism, Steve. Like, but I wish you would accept that some people like are so important that they don't have to fight battles. Like they they need to be protected. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Catra and tries, and I do like when Catra says people like us. He sort of also includes Noin in that. Mm-hmm. Like, she is yeah. also a fellow soldier that feels uncomfortable in Saint Kingdom, but is going to stay. Yeah. He reaffirms to her, you will achieve peace and we will fight to achieve that peace. And it's, it's basically him telling her, you don't have to dirty your hands because you have people behind you who, who will fight for you. Um, essentially like you don't have to be a soldier and not everyone has to be a soldier we need you to be our leader in peace times because soldiers don't know how to be peaceful and that includes knowing like we don't know how to not solve problems with without fighting and that ties back to what what Trace is saying to hero this idea that you don't know what to do once the fighting is over um so it sets up Hero and Relina as needing each other. That's kind of sweet, too. We're going to leave this podcast all one R shippers. Yeah, I am course. very, I am actually very convinced of their relationship. The more I, I mean, I think it will need a lot of therapy for Hero. But yeah, I actually do. Like, the, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, you know, they're really sweet in an unfortunate way. I like it, but I'm also easily convinced by the, 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 you could call it the Yaoi logic of, he idealizes her and isn't really ready for like a real relationship with her and therefore needs needs to have dirty backroom sex with duo in a safe house. <laughs> but, but, but what I think you know. what I think I like wow. about them is that like and I know this came out a lot in the fan art, which is like they will always have this little push pull. So I like to imagine that even if they do get married and like have a super boring, normal, like cis heteronormative relationship, there will always be this kind of like fun push pull between the two of them. Right, and that'll just be natural and part of what makes them enjoy each other's company. So I, I do kind of like that. I'm glad that we went through the effort of making sure that there was heterosexual representation on this podcast. <laughs> yes, me, the, the, the only one. The token heterosexual. <laughs> the, the token straight woman. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the fandom artifact? Yes, or we, please. Yeah. All right, so our fandom artifact... For today is a magazine I purchased on Japanese selling things site Merukari. It's Puff. It is the 1995 October issue, and it is it includes a feature on Gundam Wing and a feature on detective mystery stories. Um, so give us a little more background on Puff. Puff is a magazine for manga information. So it publishes a lot of here are the new manga stories being published. Here are some interviews with manga artists. I believe it originally started as mostly shoujo, so girls manga, and then um, over the course of the 80s, it evolved into a BL slash Jose, which is like older women's. And uh, there's a lot of references to like clamp manga. Mm. Yeah. So like think of that sort of thing where it's not it's not really BL but it has a lot of like BL suggestions and there's a lot of like the twink or the uke look looking up and blushing at someone whose face is very close to him. Yes, there's a lot of advertisements for 
for fake for, for fake and yes. kizuna which yeah. are both actually b-boy yeah. bl manga and then the magazine also has a lot of cool uh it sells doujinshi so it has like okay, a, those are doujinshi ads I, I was like flipping through yes. it and i was like cat dog dog boy duo dog boy duo and there's one that i shared that has a like a wolf wolfman duo but so included into the in this there is a gundam wing feature it has starts out with episode summaries so it goes up through episode 19 um and then it has character profiles uh they're, they're basically the standard character profiles so there is a chart of the oz ranks and their equivalent actual military ranks which i thought was interesting and we'll put online one thing I wanted to know is that Noin is the lost scion of an Italian aristocratic family, and it says that very specifically. I was like, I had never, I never realized that. Maybe, maybe that comes up in other places. Ooh. Well, her name is Lucrezia. Yeah, that's true. Her name is Lucrezia. Uh, Rulina's eyes are Sumire Iro, which is violet, and then so she has, she has violet eyes. She has violet a duo. Yes, and then. Kat, earlier you asked in your episode notes, how short is Katra? Yeah, Katra is 156 centimeters, which is the exact same height as Wufei. And I think Tro is taller. Duo is the same height. Hero is the same height. Isn't Relina a centimeter taller than the boys? I feel like I remember this. No, she's two centimeters shorter. Oh, no. Sad. Well, she wears heels. Right, because I was going to say, in the show, he's definitely shorter than her, which is why I wrote that down. Like, how tall yeah. is Cantra? I, th- I think she just probably just wears little little heels. In my mind, she's a giantess. <laughs> <laughs> she should be taller than them. And it was a thing in fanfic to have, like, people born in space be smaller. Be small. Yeah. Small, tiny yeah, small, children. Because they're, like, Because uh, uh, your bone waste, loses density. Gen- your bones gen- lose your- density. Yeah, you're genetically wasted Zero or something. Breath. That was a bit. That was a big plot in the the big duo buffet fanfic I read over the past week. So anyway, in addition to all the normal information like character profiles, Gundam profiles, um, the magazine also has an article called "How to Make Watching Gundam Wing Ten Times More Fun." We'll call it, and it has a list of aspects of Gundam Wing, which I translated for the group. Translated, summary, summarized for the group. Number two on this list is they recommend thinking about all the different combinations of characters. And so, like, with each combination of boys, you get a different you get a different vibe. And they do seem to set up this rivalry between Hiro and Katra over Troa. Yeah, because Hiro says to Katra, you act totally differently with Troa than you do with me. And Katra says, your attitude with Troa is as different as heaven and earth from your attitude with me. Yeah, because Hero's not in love with you, Katra. He's in love with your boyfriend. That's that's really harsh. I know in the show, Hiro and Katra do have quite a connection. You know, like Katra saves him and there's this whole Wing Zero aspect between the two of them. But I just love the idea of the two of them being like, wait a second, you're so different in front of Troa than you are with me. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And then the caption says, cruel. <laughs> <laughs> about, what, about what Katra's saying. <laughs> Well, I, um, I don't think it's an education problem. Hero wins king of self-explode. <laughs> okay, favorite. so so when I was typing these up, I forgot the word for, like, self-destruct. <laughs> so I just I just wrote self-explode, which is a very literal translation of the Japanese. But everyone does it. 
Wu Fei hasn't really done it yet, as far as they, as far as I can recall. Um, because he's yeah. a bit of a different type of otaku for Nataku. Oh. Yes. They also, so they talk about how much everybody loves their mobile suits and Wu Fei's a little bit too into his. <laughs> and there's this, there's this really funny uh, comic of Wu Fei talking about Nataku and how when he thinks about Nataku, his heart starts to beat and his chest hurts and he can't sleep. And then he's like, what is this feeling? And Tro is like, yeah, what the hell is that feeling? And then the, the caption is just, that's love. <laughs> that's like every fanfic right there. Yeah, that's every like bad Wufei characterization that I make fun of, but is also very true. Then I wanted to point out specifically number eight, which are things to keep you up at night. And this is so funny because it's basically like we had written this article in 1995 because almost every one of these we talk about, based on your notes, Caitlin, it's why didn't the circus boss question Troa's circus resume? Check. I, I don't. I, that's probably not literally what it says, but yes. that's also like why didn't he? Why didn't he ask any questions about this? Why? Where was, why didn't he think about Troa? Where was Wu Fei's boat floating to? Check. Yeah, I really can't, I can't believe that it actually brought up Wufei's boat. But we've now found, since we published the Wufei boat episode, we've now found that listeners also think a lot about that boat. So then can we turn to what I'm very excited about, these two beautiful splash pages of fan art? Yes, and we will illegally scan these and put these on the internet. (laughs) Um, So they invited two manga artists to draw... Gundam Wing art and write, write up a little like notes about their love of Gundam Wing. One is uh, Mizu- Mizuki Ken, um, who is a manga artist and uh, definitely has Gundam Wing doujinshi, which you can still purchase. Um, and then the other is sorry, sorry to sound so much more excited. Wow, sorry, sorry to Mizuki Ken, <laughs> but the other <laughs> is Koga Yoon, who was the creator of Loveless. I was floored by this. I, I was, I was gagged. I was I, like, oh my god, I, I cannot believe. I was floored by this because you know I was just like, oh, I'll just look up who these people are before our recording, and I was like, holy crap, that's the manga of Loveless, who turns out to be a huge like Gundam, whole Gundam universe fan. Um, she in her Japanese Wikipedia page, there's a note that she wanted to name herself after Char Aznable initially, like that was going to be <laughs> her um, pen name. And she she decided not to go with that. You know, she says up here that Duo is her favorite character. Big whoop, like who, you know, Duo is every manga cause favorite character, I feel like. Um, That's true. And you but can it's s- like mine, too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you could like find some of her work still like her early Gundam Wing doujinshi, which of course is very duo focused. But like her art doesn't look very much like her Loveless art in this splash page. It's really very nice. Like it's very, very in character Gundam Wing fan art. And in case the people listening at home don't know what Loveless <laughs> is, this is the manga series where there's a whole plot, um, but is everybody there? ignores that in favor of <laughs> the fact that the boys have cat ears until they lose their virginity. <laughs> All the characters the cat have cat girls. ears. The yeah. girls yes. do as well. All, the girls do as well. Every, Sorry, everyone. I just meant that it's it's mostly boys, but there are girls there too. Uh, and then the plot is about uh, Ritsuka. He's 12 years old and he 
meets this older man who knows something about his brother's death and gets involved in this like fighting ring of like weird magic um and it's kind of it's it's problematic by today's standards it was <laughs> um, problematic back then too let's let's yeah, that's true let's let's <laughs> be fair it was problematic by all standards um but it was very formative and even today in many fandoms you will have loveless AUs where like the characters have cat ears until they lose their virginity um, and just to give Ken Mizuki her due, her circle name, I think, was Yaprito. Um, and I think she was a very big Troa hero shipper. Or she, she was really yes. into Troa. Um, and so she has some really beautiful fan art that I think if you were anywhere around websites in that early 2000s era you have seen ken mizuki's kanto wing fan art yeah i don't care if you were looking for it i don't care if you didn't even look for fan art you saw it it was on people's banners um so i was also really excited to discover that that's who they had in the pafu magazine they knew what they were doing the the magazine people i also wanted to mention a feature of this magazine which is a true relic that i love because i love old media stuff but there's an advertisement for a Dial Fun Club, which was a a 900 number you could call in. Uh, no, I mean, like, 900 number in the U.S. Though it actually also starts with 900 in Japanese. Um, but it's like, you call in, and then you can pick your topic. So, like, if you wanted to talk about X-Men, you could press 839 pound. And then it would it would it would connect you to other people who want wow. to talk about X Men. Um, this it's is what people did. A nineties version of Clubhouse. Yeah, this is what people did Sorry. before the internet. I don't want to. I don't want to. Clubhouse is a two thousand twenty version of Dial Fun Club. Okay, let's be clear. You could talk to somebody about Doraemon, apparently. <laughs> Doraemon? Heck yeah! Seven thirty pound. Everybody loves Doraemon. Do you think that you all would have been the type of people to call into a dial fun club? No. No, I wouldn't have. Because back when I was uh, like on the old internet, I was just a lurker. I think I probably would have because when I started getting on the internet, I was into AOL chats. That chat were, rooms? Or? Yeah, AOL chat rooms that were sort of um, set up like this. like The randos. Yeah, I used yeah. to hang out in, like, the Jedi Cafe. Mm. Um, I guess also maybe, like, Goss versus Preps, but whatever. <laughs> I um. would I would have loved to dial in to hear somebody else have a conversation, but I don't think oh, I would yeah. want to have a conversation with somebody. Yeah, yeah. I would want to lurk. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing this beautiful artifact with us. It's incredible. You're, you're welcome. Thank you for talking to me about the party line. Thank you for being my party line for Aww. Gundam Wing chat. Aww. And thanks, listeners, for being our lurkers <laughs> on our party line. Yeah, thanks for lurking. Thanks for lurking. Not that you have a choice, but... <laughs> okay, so that's all for this week. Um, we will see you next time. Please follow us on the social medias. Um, on Twitter, we're Toggy's Pod. On Instagram, I think we are Untitled Toggy's Podcast. And you can keep up with our updates. Um, subscribe on whichever podcast app you prefer. Bye!